Purpose is one of those loaded yet popular words that just doesn't seem to have a clear definition. I mean, what is purpose anyway? Do we find it? Do we already possess it? Do we cultivate it and grow it like a garden? Or do we run after it and pursue it? How does purpose impact or change our lives? I'm Andrea St. Louis, and I'm the owner and coach at Step Into Purpose Consulting. And each week, I want you to join me as I explore all things purpose, whether that's in your goal setting, in your friendships, your faith, our personal growth, or our professional development. Come get your weekly purpose power up with the insights and inspiration that you need so that you can live in alignment with your purpose and step boldly into your future. I hope you'll join me. I'm so glad to be leaning into friendship this season. Um, Season four, we are really talking about how friendship impacts our ability to live with purpose, live on purpose, to understand purpose, um, how our squad helps to frame uh, our thinking, as well as how they help us to either move forward towards purpose or hold us back. That's the truth of it. Um, that they impact our ability to get to our destination in life. And so we really want to look at the relationships that we have and how they are influencing not just our thinking, but our actions. If you are not yet following me, you can head over to Step Into Purpose. That's Step In, the number two purpose Um on Instagram, on Facebook. You can also follow me at stepintopurpose.com if you want to engage more and join the conversation. In Psalm 55, David is talking to the Lord. David is very, very upset. Uh, You can tell from the tone of the the writing um, and his plea to God. and part of what he says is that a friend, a faithful, a felt someone who he had had fellowship with, a familiar friend, had betrayed him. Um, they had done something that was wrong. Um, and verse twelve and thirteen and fourteen, uh, David says, "For it is not an enemy who reproaches me; then I could bear it. I could t- deal with it if it was somebody who was an enemy. Um, nor is it one who hates me." who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from him. He says, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion and my familiar friend, someone who knows me and who I know, uh, or I thought I did. We who had sweet fellowship together walked in the house of God in the in the throng, right? We, we walked among the people together. And he says that this person has now gone against him. Um, And if we go back a little bit in verses um, four through nine, David's first reaction is, God, this thing is, um, actually go back to the top of the passage. David's first reaction is, God, please listen to me. Please hear my cry. Hear my prayer. Don't hide yourself from me. I'm really upset about this. I am restless in my complaint and I'm surely distracted. And a lot of us know what that feels like to um, be so overtaken by what has happened to us that it's all it's like we can't think about anything else. And then uh, he begins to tell the Lord um, 
how the enemy has been pressuring him, the pressure of the wicked, right? He talks about uh, the voice of the enemy and the pressure of the wicked. They bring down trouble upon me and in anger, they bear a grudge against me. And he begins to tell the Lord, verse four through nine, uh, David's first response I'm, um, you know, is incredible. He goes to God. I know that I fail to do that sometimes, especially when I've been, I feel like I've been hurt by a friend, uh, but his next reaction is to run. Um, and I can honestly say in my friendships that I've probably done that, like rather than deal with the issue, you know what, I'm just not going to speak to them. Sometimes it seems easier, but the truth is that that unresolved hurt and that unresolved, um, whether it's pain or frustration, not only could it potentially happen again if you're what if you're like me, sometimes you can like not say anything, but you're still around the person um, and then come to find out later on down the road that it's still an issue or you leave that friendship, you move on to another friendship, right? You cut the person off, you move on and find yourself in the same predicament again. And so David says, you know, if he could, if he had wings like a dove in verse six, he would fly away and be at rest. He just leave the whole situation alone. He wouldn't even bother with any of this. Um, and then he begins to ask the Lord to intervene um, in what's happening as his enemies are conspiring against him. He wants God to confuse and divide their tongues. He wants them to, he wants God to put a stop to what he sees as violence and strife and destruction, right? and oppression and deceit taking place. And then he begins to talk about who has caused this offense. And he says that it's a friend, someone who is close to him. Um, um, and, and a lot of times that's really what betrayal does to us. It makes us feel like we were once known and loved and now we are no longer known and loved. That's the truth. Um, betrayal often makes us feel like what I thought I knew about you must not be true, right? Must not be true. Um, but the thing that I find beautiful as I go through, uh, as I went through this study and I decided to read what some other uh, writers have to say about this passage is that at the end of the complaint, at the end of the plea, at the end of letting God know all the things that has hurt um, David or hurt Job, hurt Job deeply, uh, David's declaration is that as for me, I shall call upon God and the Lord will save me, that the saving power is in God's hands, that God needed to do something about this, not David needed to do something about this, but God needed to do something about this. Um, he, he, he puts his plea before God and says, evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur. This is verse 17 of Psalm 55. And he will hear my voice. He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle, which is against me. For they are many who strive with me. And verse 19 says, God will hear and answer them. Even the one who sits enthroned from of old, Selah. Pause right there. Contemplate. Let's let that just hang for a minute, right? Uh, experiencing betrayal by a friend places us in the company of great men and women. Uh, and even in the fellowship, even in fellowship with Jesus. Um, what if, what if when you are betrayed, when you are hurt, that that experience is a part of you becoming what the world needs. Um, in order for Jesus to 
um, go to the cross, the Bible says that he was giving up his life. Nobody was taking Jesus's life from him. Um, but for him to accomplish his purpose, here it was, someone who was close to him, a friend, Judas, the betrayer, came and kissed him. And he's the, and before that happens, Jesus said to him, go go quickly, go do what you got to do. They, were, they came to break bread together for the Passover. And he tells Judas, go quickly and do what you got to do, right? Um, because it's a part of the story. It's a part, and if, like, and, and I mean... I feel like I want to say it's an unfortunate part of the story, right? Um, but the truth is that we're all villains in some version of someone's story. That's the truth. We are all villains in some version of someone's story. Whether or not we want to accept that we are not always the hero. And so here it is that Judas's actions were part of the journey for Jesus going to the cross. It was, a, you know, deeper betrayals. Um, and, and so Jesus knows how we feel when we get betrayed. He knows exactly how we feel. He's been there. Um, and we can go to him in prayer. Uh, as David went to the Lord, we can go to him in prayer and ask him to come into the situation and for him to do something on our, not just on our behalf, but for his name's sake. That's really what David said. In trouble, uh, the, the the commentator goes on to say, in trouble, the promise is not to remove the burden, but to sustain the person. The promise is not to remove the burden, but to sustain the person carrying said burden, carrying the burden. Um, and even goes on to explain how David's prayer for divine retribution, when he's asking God to do all kinds of stuff to this, to, to the enemies that have come against him, the prayer was not motivated by David feeling threatened. Right, that wasn't the motive for it. it. Wasn't because David's threatened or I'm hurt or I'm offended. It wasn't not motivated by his offense, but rather what David perceived the person had done was evil against God, and so he was doing according to scripture and asking God to, you know, uh, make things right for His namesake. Right, it was David. The writer says it was David's moral conviction rather than his personal pain. Um, Though David does, and, and let's be clear, David clearly acknowledges the personal pain he felt at this situation, but it, we see that David's prayer for God to do something wasn't so much out of his own offense and personal pain, but it was out of um, his desire for God's name to be glorified, and, and uh, it was a moral conviction that he had. Now, what if, what if we went to God about our friends more concerned about their compromised character than our personal offense or personal pain because of their actions? What if when we went to God, it wasn't so much about make Susie feel the way I feel right now or make, you know, Anna feel the way that I experience what I'm experiencing now, help them to know how wrong they were, God. But rather it was, God, this thing goes against who you are, this betrayal, this um, hurt. And, and let's be honest, a lot of the things that we experience hurt over, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but sometimes the things we experience hurt over in friendships, if we're honest, sometimes it's not that serious. What do they say? Like, if it won't matter in five years, don't give it five minutes or something like that, right? But I think that we give a lot more time to problems that aren't that big. Um, we give a lot more time, attention, energy, focus, um, our, our sleep even over to issues that won't matter in a few years. Have you ever spent months going back and forth with someone over something? 
only to find a year from now, it don't even matter. Both of y'all done forgot what was happening in the first place, right? What if we went to God asking him to do something about their compromised character, asking God to show them the truth of what they've done, to show them um, why this goes against who, what God says about them, about who he, why it goes against who the, he created them to be, why it goes against covenant, why it goes against his word. Um, go to God and, and talk to him about that instead of just telling him how hurt we are. Yes, we can tell him how hurt we are, but I love the fact that like, I actually, um, I don't know if you can see this, but I actually like outlined in different colors, the passage. And part of my reason for doing that is that I wanted to see all the different kinds of expressions that David had in there, um, where he was talking about how he felt. He's talking about how you know, God is still faithful. God will hear him and God will deliver. God will, uh, he brings justice, right? God will repay. He's talking about, um, his, the, why he's hurt by the person because they had sweet fellowship because that was his familiar friend, because this was someone he was close to his companion. They went to the house of the Lord together these are the things that he was hurt by. And I love the fact that it's all in here in Psalm 55 because he didn't leave any of it out. Sometimes we only want to bring God the pretty stuff like God help me not to be hurt because I just I can't afford to, you know, I'm a queen. I don't want to show my, you know, I don't want to show that anybody's making my crown slip. None of that. Right. But the reality is David brought all of it before God. He brought his anger. He brought his frustration. He brought his sorrow, his hurt, his pain. He told God, he told God he was distracted. He was in distress, right? He's in anguish. He's terrified. He shares all of this with the Lord. He doesn't hold anything back. So I went over to another resource. I took, took a look at what another commentator had to say, because I think it's important to look at multiple sources. And as I examined um, what this particular writer had to say about Psalm 55, she says, uh, when a friend suddenly betrayed him, David found himself, haunt, found himself haunted by unwelcome emotions, the stuff we don't want to talk about. But his first impulse was, while his first impulse was to run away, but instead he sought relief in prayer. His first impulse was to run away. If I had wings like a dove, I'd just take my flight and be at rest. I'd be out of here. I would go stay in the wilderness. I would go to my place of refuge and get out this storm, right? So his first impulse was to run away, but instead he sought relief in prayer. He didn't run away from the situation. Instead, he sought um, relief in prayer. And and maybe some, some of us have left some friendships, some relationships before we were meant to. Some friendships didn't necessarily have to end. They needed a conversation. They needed some prayer. They needed some divine strategy. And we should have gone to God first. When was the last time we've chosen prayer over avoidance, over avoiding the person or ghosting the person? When have we last um, chosen prayer over giving the person a piece of our mind? When was the last time we did that? She goes on to say, this writer goes on to say, the structure of Psalm 55 reflects David's conflicted emotions. The truth is that when we're hurt deeply, it can be difficult to find the right words and put them in the right order to whether to talk to the person or to tell someone else why we're hurt. But here it is. We have this safe option of going to God first because 
He is always going to be our best source of counsel, of comfort. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, comforter, right? He'll always be our best source of counsel, of comfort, of direction. Like, what do I do next? And going to him first gives us the time we need to then sort out our thoughts with him and submit our response to his will. David didn't say, I'm, you know, I'm about to go track this brother down and I am about to return an eye for an eye. Like that's what's about to happen. That's not what David did. No doubt. David gave it to God. Said, God, you go get vengeance. You get justice. And I know some of us here and we're like, that's a cruel prayer, but he asked God to do it. Now, let's be clear. God's way of just of enacting justice does not always look just to us. Let's be very real about that. God's way of enacting justice does not always look just to us. Um, but it is because God is just. God is just and he does repay and he does um he does restore and he does redeem he does save I love the way that Job goes about it after his complaint about being abandoned and being insulted and being everything being taken from him and everyone being against him Job goes on in in Job 19 uh down in verse uh 25 he says and as for me I know that my redeemer lives and at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. And when I read this piece of it, uh, the commentator said that it's not so much that um, he's just going to deliver him, right? It's, it's not even so much that, but more so that God was going to vindicate him. Because here it is, his friends are saying, even his wife is saying, that you must have done something. His wife told him to curse God and die, Right? But here, Redeemer uh, is more aptly translated vindicator, one who delivers from affliction and wrong, which is not due to sin. Because based on the passage, we know that Job had not done anything to bring this on, but rather this was a test um, that Job was undergoing. And Job had been unable to convince his friends that he didn't do anything, that he wasn't innocent. And so he leaves it in God's hands to prove to them that he was not guilty of the sin that they accused him of. Um, and so he says, even after my skin is destroyed, he literally had boils. His skin was uh, wasting away. He was sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It says, even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh, I shall see God. And verse 27 says, whom I myself shall behold and whom my eyes shall see and not another. Right. He tells God that he, my heart is faint within me. He, he talks about being persecuted and all of these, uh, all of his friends speaking against him. But he trusts God to vindicate him. David did the same thing in Psalm 55. He trusted God to vindicate him. Um, if we go down to verse 22 Dave, uh, of Psalm 55, uh, David says, Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. But thou, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days but I will trust in thee. I will trust in thee. I will trust in thee. The commentator, this is the last thing I'll share. She says, in the midst of the storm of emotion, he, being David, reminds himself that the Lord is his sure hope for salvation and justice and finds comfort in continuing to trust God. The thing is, 
when we've been betrayed and we're hurt and we are even talking to God about it, be real. Number one, let's be real with God, right? Don't sugarcoat it. Don't hide it because eventually those emotions are going to creep back up on you. Two, not only be honest about it, pray about the person that betrayed you. Why are you so hurt? Maybe it may, might even help to journal. Why are you so hurt by this thing? How long will the impact of this thing last? Will this thing change your life? It seems here that whatever happened put David's life in danger because he talked about being terrified and in anguish and in fear and in trembling and horror. Like he's really talking with someone who did not feel safe, who did not feel safe. And so the question here is, what is it? Um, what is the impact of what happened? Will it matter two days from now, two years from now, 20 years from now? Right? Um, and how much time are you willing to lose uh, being stuck wanting to en enact vengeance yourself rather than leaving it in the hands of our very capable God. If he's capable enough to keep you, to wake you up this morning, to start you on your way, to put breath in your lungs, uh, your feet are moving, you're watching this video, your eyes are working, your ears are hearing, then isn't he good enough and powerful enough and wise enough and able enough and just enough to uh, set things right? Not even just on my behalf, but so that his name gets the glory? Three, consider, is this part of God's plan in helping me to become? Will I become a different person for having experienced this thing? And if so, what kind of person will I become? Will I allow it to take my kindness? Will I allow it to steal my joy? Will I allow it uh, to allow this circumstance to keep me out of God's presence? Or will I allow the pressure of people to push me into God's presence? Will I allow the pressure of people to push me into God's presence? And four, trust God, trust him. He can be trusted, he is a just God. And it may not, justice may not look the way we expect, but the thing about being submitted to God's will is we're saying that even how, however this turns out, God, even then I trust you, that you are doing the thing that I need. Because sometimes some of us think that we needed uh, a more dramatic close to a situation, right? We needed closure. We needed um, someone to be embarrassed, exposed, all of that kind of stuff. And years down the road, we look and be like, you know, I'm so glad it didn't go down that way. For some of us, that's because not too long from then, we've probably found ourselves in a similar situation. We needed the same grace that we were reluctant to pour out on the other person. Uh, for others of us, we're glad that we didn't because it would have set an emotion on, on a number of other things that didn't have to happen because the thing didn't even matter anymore. For others of us, it was a necessary ending. It was time for this relationship to come to a, to a close. So in wrapping up, I just want to encourage you that even when we deal with treacherous people, even when we deal with betrayal and friends who have hurt us, know that our gut reaction doesn't have to be to run away. It doesn't even have to be to fight, but rather it should be to pray. I hope this has been helpful. God bless you. Have a great day.